Good day. I hope everyone had a blessed and wonderful Easter week, Resurrection Sunday. Welcome to our Bible study today. We're going to continue on in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, recovering verses 16 through 26. The title of today's lesson, Jesus Walks on the Water. Reviewing from last week, last week we learned and we studied the feeding of the 5,000. And, and we saw one of the greatest miracles that's ever recorded in the Gospels. We see where Jesus, he asks Philip, when he sees all these people coming, he asks Philip, he turns to Philip and he says, Philip, where can we get enough food to feed all these people, if you remember in last week's lesson, right? Now, Jesus asked him for a couple of reasons. First, Philip was from Bethsaida. Now, Bethsaida was about nine or ten miles from where Jesus is teaching at this time. But another reason is because Jesus, he was testing the, his faith. He was testing Philip's faith. Now, Jesus knew the miracle that he was going to do, right? But he wanted to test and he wanted to strengthen Jesus' faith. And if you remember the message from last week, that's exactly what happens in our life. When we go through trials and tribulations, right? We go through that because Jesus wants to test us. He wants to strengthen our faith. And if you are a Christian and you're walking in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, there's tests constantly in front of us. And if you fail one test, you can, you can rest assured that, that test is going to be presented again in, in some type or some form in a similar manner. But let's just say you pass that test, right? It's a small test. <clears throat> See, walking and being a Christian and walking in the Spirit, you're constantly being tested. Jesus is allowing the devil, so to speak, to put problems and tribulations in your life. Because once you pass this small test, then there's a bigger test ahead of you, you see? So the Bible tells us that we're going to go through trials and tribulations. Now, when it says that we go through tribulations, understand that Christians will not go through the tribulation period. But we will face problems. We will face trials in this life if you're going to walk with Jesus, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus. So going back to last week's lesson, he, he tells Philip, where can we get enough food to feed all, feed, feed all these people? Now, if you remember, Philip just looks up and Philip says, you know, it'll take at least a half of a year's wages to feed all these people. And still, he says, they're just going to get a small bite, just, just very little, right? So we see that he, he test, he's testing Philip, but we also see that Philip is from that area. But Jesus knows what he's going to do. See, and, and we said last week that when Jesus does miracles, it's not just to do miracles, but it's to point out to who he really is. That the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, pointed to the Messiah. They pointed to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And that's why miracles are being done in the Bible, because it, it gives revelation, so to speak, right? Amen? We also saw in the story in the feeding of the 5,000 where there's this young boy, and this young boy has five barley loaves and two small fish, if you remember. Now, this young boy, 
gives everything that he has to Jesus. But you know, the disciples, they're with Jesus and they have a whole lot more than this young boy. But we've seen in the last and last week that the disciples, they give nothing to Jesus. See, they had stuff. They had food. But they looked at all the people and they seen, man, all these people and the little bit of food that I have, my food won't make a difference. It won't do anything. So I'm just not going to present my food. to. I'm just not going to tell Jesus I have food. So they didn't offer anything to Jesus. But you see, Jesus took these five loaves and he took the small fish, the two small fish. He blessed it. He gave thanks to the father. And he says, distribute the food. And the Bible tells us that they all ate and they had leftovers. And the leftovers was 12 baskets, 12 representing the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, right? We've seen that last week. And, and, and five means lacking. So the message that Jesus was telling us is that at this time, Israel is lacking with God. Because they don't recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the one that the prophets pointed to. But if you go back to that, that story, this young boy gives everything that he has. The disciples give nothing. So the message for us is that if when you give Jesus everything that you have, even if it's a little, just like this young boy, when you present it to Jesus and you believe in Jesus, Jesus can do miracles with that little that you give him. However, if you give nothing to Jesus, then you, you have, Jesus has nothing to work with from you. So the message is for us, we need to give everything that we had, even if it's a little, to Jesus. And we need to trust in him and we need to have faith in him that he will take that little that we give him. It's all that we have. We commit to him. And we turn it over to him and watch him do miracles in our life. Amen. So what you're going to see in today's lesson is that Jesus, he's finished teaching. And the disciples, you're going to see, go across the lake to Capernaum. But they have trouble in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. A storm brews up. And the waves and the wind are kicking up. The, wa the, the water's coming into the boat. They're sinking. And the disciples have no hope. They, they think they're going to die. But they look up and they see Jesus walking on the water. And Jesus is going to come to save them. So with that, with that being said, open up your Bibles to John chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 16 today. So we're going to read verses 16 through 26. I'm reading out the NIV Bible. Verse 16 says this. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake. Well, they got into the boat and they set off across to the lake for Capernaum. Some of your Bibles might say see. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three to four miles, some of your Bibles might say 25 to 30 stadiums of four longs, right? They said they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water. But they were frightened. And Jesus said to them, It is I. 
In parentheses, some of your Bibles might say, I am. Jesus tells them, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered with his disciples, but that he had gone away to be alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. And once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and they went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. And when they found him on the other side, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs that I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you were filled. Now let's go back to verse 16 and decipher what exactly is going on in this lesson today. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, or some of your Bibles might say to the sea. Now remember, Jesus had been teaching all day long, and he had been teaching a crowd, the Bible says, of 5,000 men. Now that's just men. That's not including women and children, right? Some scholars believe it's up to maybe eight to 10,000 people that he fed with five barley loaves and two small fish, right? So we see that Jesus had just done another miracle by feeding 5,000 men, and probably more, right? But now we see that it's getting evening, it's getting dark. And the disciples, what they do is they're going to go down to the seashore. And you might ask, why are they going down to the seashore? Well, look at verse 17. Where they got into the boat and they set off across the sea or lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. Now, it says the word Capernaum here. Capernaum is very, very important in the Bible, especially the Gospels, right? That's where you see it. And why is it so vital? Why is it so important, you say? Because this is where the light of Messiah begins, according to the prophet Isaiah in chapter 40, right? We also, you have to, you have to ask, another question is, why Capernaum? We know it's that way, that's where the light of, of, of Christ begins his ministry begins in other words right but there's another reason why because most of his disciples were from Capernaum were from the Galilee the northern part of Israel now remember from previous studies right this is where Jesus spends most of his time is in Capernaum is in the Galilee area so we see that the disciples what they do after a long day of teaching by Jesus they want to go back to Capernaum. So they get in a boat and they, they row. They set sail, you can say, right, for Capernaum. But look what else the Bible tells us. Jesus had not yet joined them. So Jesus is not in the boat with them. Jesus stays back. And actually in other gospels, he tells them, I'm going to meet you on the other side, right? You see, Jesus knows what's fixing to happen, right? He doesn't get in the boat because... He goes up on the mount to spend time with his father to pray. And that's a lesson for us that we should spend time with our heavenly father through the Holy Spirit in a quiet place, quiet time, not only praying, not only telling him, not only developing that relationship with him, but listening, listening to what he has to say, that small voice on the inside, right? That's going to lead us 
to do the will of the Father, to do the will of God. Amen. So we see that he stays back while the disciples go to the other side. Now, Jesus knows that a storm is fixing. He's fixing to ramp up a storm. Why is that? Because he's testing their faith. That's why. He's, he's showing another miracle will be performed. And remember, another miracle is done to prove revelation. It's to prove who he really is, that he is the Messiah, that he is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that he is the Son of God. Amen? So the disciples, to get in the boat, they sail off. They start rowing to Capernaum. Now, we'll see that it's not going to be an easy task for these disciples, right? Actually, we're going to see that they couldn't make it by themselves because Jesus has to come walking on the water to save them. Verse 18, a strong wind was blowing and waters grew high. So we see that a storm rises up. Now, a little bit of background about the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias, if you remember from last week's lesson, is called two different things. In Hebrew, it means the Sea of Galilee means revelation. But why is it called the Sea of Tiberias? Because the Roman Empire, the Roman government gave him that name. Rome represents the world. So it's to show us that Jesus came to be the Savior, not just for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but also for what? For the whole world. So the whole world can have a chance to be redeemed. So the whole world can have a chance to be saved. Amen. So going back to the Sea of Galilee, it's 650 feet below sea level. But the sea itself in different areas, it can be up to 150 feet deep. And this sea is surrounded by hills and mountains. So sometimes what happens, this is a perfect opportunity for huge storms, windstorms to pop up, huge waves to pop up, right? And this is exactly what's happening here. So when Jesus, he's going to come to the disciples in the middle of this storm. And Jesus is going to be walking on water, as we're going to see in a few minutes. And he tells his disciples, don't be afraid. He tells them, fear not. And actually, if you read the Bible, 365 times, God or Jesus tells us, fear not, do not be afraid. See, when you put all your trust in Jesus, and you know that he's in full control of your life, and you surrender to him, and you obey him, right? And you have that intimate relationship with him, then it doesn't matter the storms that's going on around you in the world, maybe in your personal life, right? Because we all go through storms in life. But it doesn't matter because you had a peace and you had a comfort knowing that Jesus will bring you out victorious on his timetable according to his plan. That's really surrendering to Christ. That's really an opportunity for us to grow in our faith, you see? But you know what a lot of us do? We call ourselves Christians, right? But when storms in our life pop up, you know what we do, man? We stress and we get anxiety and we start, you know, we, we want to fix it ourselves, so to speak. But that's not developing faith. That's not having faith in Christ, amen? Having faith in Christ is knowing that there's a peace and a joy. There's no stress in your life. There's no anxiety. There's no trying to fix it because you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Jesus is the King of Kings. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus knows the ending from the beginning and the beginning from the ending. Amen. And Jesus is going to fix it. We just need to be still. We need to be quiet. We need to be at comfort. We need to be at peace and let Jesus work in our lives. Amen. According to his time according to his will, according to his plan. You see, we often face 
spiritual and emotional storms, right? And we feel like we tossed about, just like these disciples in this little boat. And, and sometimes it can be terrifying, right? It can be terrifying experiences, maybe circumstances, right? But we need to learn to allow Christ to take control in our lives because He is the only one that's going to bring us true peace in the midst of our storms, amen? Verse 19, when they had rowed about three to four miles, or some of your Bibles might say 25 to 30 stadiums or furlongs, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on water, and they were frightened. So we see that they're rowing, and they're trying to make it to the shoreline of Capernaum, but, but they can't. Because the seas, the waves, the wind is too rough, it's too high, right? It's too strong. So we, you can say that what's happening is this. It's here in South Louisiana, we relate that to hurricanes, right? Because we're very familiar with hurricanes. I mean, we just went through one, what, a year and a half, two years ago, right, in Ida. And, and, and we all witnessed that. So this is exactly what's going on here. The wind's getting stronger. It's picking up, right? And... and the boat's sinking, there's water that's coming into the boat, and the disciples, man, they, they're fearful because they, they, they think they're going to die, they're not going to make it, right? So we see that they're rowing, they're sailing, but the Bible tells us here, they got numbers. Now remember, anytime the Bible mentions numbers, there's significance to them numbers. And the Bible says three to four miles, or some of your Bibles might say 25 to 30 stadiums. Now, if your Bible says three to four miles, then that's just from Greek to English how they translated it. But really, the numbers I want to focus on is 25 and 30, right? Now remember, there's two different sets of numbers. Some of your Bibles might have 25, 30. Some of your Bibles might have three to four miles. And the difference is because the translation from Greek to English. But what, what I explain to you and want to, want to emphasize is 25 and 30. As the waves and the wind, they get stronger. Right? The disciples are in the boat. They realize that they aren't going anywhere. They're rowing, but they're not making progress. You ever heard the statement of, I'll go one step forward and three steps back? That's exactly what's happening here. They're not gaining ground. They're actually staying in the same spot or they're losing. And they become very fearful for that, right? Now, something that isn't said here that is stated in other gospels like Mark and Matthew is that these disciples fought this storm all night for 12 hours. But it wasn't lessening. It was strengthening. It seemed to be getting worse. So where do these numbers come into play? Well, if you remember, let's go back last week. Last week, we talked about the number 50. And we said that the number 50 relates to jubilee. It relates to joy, relates to freedom. It's connected to the kingdom of God, we said. Amen? Right? So let's look at the number 25 this week. 25 is half of 50. If 50 is jubilee, if 50 is related to the kingdom of God, then what is 25? 25, biblically speaking, means in bondage. And this is exactly what the disciples were experiencing at this time. With a storm kicking up, with the wind strong, with the waves high, water coming into the boat, the boat's fixing to sink, right? They're trying to row, they're trying to get to Capernaum, but they're not getting anywhere. So you can say that the disciples right now are in bondage. So this brings me to the next number, which is 30. The number 30 relates to death. Let me give you an example of what I mean. If you read the book of Numbers, in the book of Numbers, 
we see a story that when Aaron, Moses' brother, passes, the children of Israel, they mourn for 30 days. And this still holds true today, right? When someone in Israel dies, a family member, a loved one, right? Mourning period is 30 days. Another example we find in the Bible is with Joseph. When Joseph died, what did, what did the children of Israel do? The Hebrews, they mourned for 30 days. Another example that we can find in, in the gospel is Judas Iscariot, right? The one who betrayed the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus Christ. Remember, he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He betrayed Jesus. He turned them over to the religious leaders so they can put Jesus to death. You see, it's called blood money and blood is synonymous with death. So here's the message. The disciples, they're in this storm. And the Bible tells us that they have gone 25 to 30 stadiums. Now, this is to teach us that in and of ourselves, without redemption, without understanding, without the assistance of Jesus, without knowing Jesus, without really understanding Jesus, that we are all in bondage to death. We have no hope. Because without Jesus, in the end, we all going to witness death. And I'm speaking about eternal death. Going back to the scripture, the scripture also tells us this, that they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water. And the scripture says they were frightened. So just as things seem to be getting worse, right? I mean, the storm's not letting up. The winds are blowing stronger. The waves are getting higher. More water's coming into the boat. Man, the disciples look up. They're fearful. They're, 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 they're panicking. They're stressing. And they see Yeshua walking on the water towards the boat. But at first, some of the disciples say, it looks like a man. It, it, it looks like Jesus. No, it looks like a ghost. See, that's another reason why they're fearful, because they're not sure what's coming towards them, because the wind is whipping around. They can't see not two feet, not a foot in front of them, but they see a figure coming. So why should they be frightened, you say, right? Remember, they're in bondage right now. Remember the number 25. Remember the number 30. The 30 means death. And without Jesus, they're going to die. See, without Jesus, we're all going to die eternally. That's why we need Jesus in our lives. That's why it's important to spend time with him every day, to know him on an intimate basis, on a personal level, right? To read his scripture, to read the truth, because Jesus is the truth, amen? Jesus gives life, amen, right? But the scripture tells us here that Jesus is approaching them, and, and they, they're afraid, right? They're afraid. Why? Because they really didn't understand Jesus correctly. You see, in our life, we go through situations. We go through things and it can frighten us. But with Jesus in our life, right? If we truly understand him, right? We do not need to be fearful. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to stress. Why? Because Jesus is going to save us. Jesus is going to bring us to victory. Jesus is going to bring us to our promised land. Jesus is going to bring us life because Jesus is life. He's the bread of life. Amen. The scripture tells us he's walking on the water. See, the only way one can do this 
as if he has a connection with heaven. And you see, Yeshua didn't sink. He walked on water. That's why he tells his disciples when he goes up to pray, he says, I'm going to meet you on the other side. And the disciples are thinking in the other gospels, how is he going to meet us on the other side? Because we took the boat. There's only one boat. How is he going to get there? Well, we see how he's going to get there. He's God. With God, all things are possible, right? And if you truly believe that, if you truly live by that, then God will work wonders in your life. Jesus Christ, he will work wonders for us, right? You see it in the same way because of who he is, because of his identity, because he didn't sink in water, in the water, because he has heavenly connections, right? In the same way, when we accept him, when we understand him, we become a new identity. The scripture tells us that when you become a new creation in Christ, that the old is gone and all things are created, what? A new. We have a new identity. And if we are related to him, if we are in his family, right, then what's going to happen to us? We have that kingdom connection. We're going to be in the kingdom of heaven because Jesus is going to save us. Jesus is going to bring us life. Amen. So what's happening in verses to summarize 18 and 19 is simply this right here. The disciples, they're terrified. They believe they were seeing a ghost when Jesus comes walking on the water. We can find that also in Matthew 14, 26. But you see, if they had believed all that they have already seen Jesus do, then they would have accepted this miracle. They, they would know that he is the Christ, that he is the son of God, right? But they were afraid. So it tells us that they didn't expect him to come walking on the water, right? You see, faith is a mindset that expects and knows that Jesus will act on our behalf. And when we understand this, right, when we live with this expectation that we can overcome our fears because you know that Jesus is in control. And if Jesus is in control and you're a believer and you walk by faith and not by sight, amen, that's the key, then you will prevail. Jesus will lead you to that victory that you're looking for. But according to his will, according to his time, see, not according to how you want it to happen, not according to your timetable, because Jesus doesn't work according to how we think, right? Jesus works what? In the supernatural. We think naturally. Jesus works in the supernatural. Verse 20. But he said to them, it is I, I am. Don't be afraid. Now, this tells us a great deal about Jesus, about Yeshua. You see, the entire gospel of John is to let people know the identity of Jesus. In other words, we find out the truth of who Jesus really is, that he is the son of God, right? Now, starting here, you're going to hear this phrase, I am, repeated several times. And when you hear this phrase, what's the first thing that should come to your mind, right? First thing that comes to my mind is Exodus chapter 3. It's Moses at the burning bush. He's having this conversation with God, right, about redemption, right? If you remember the story, I'm just going to kind of summarize it real quick for you, but it'd be a good idea if you go back and read Exodus chapter 3 for yourself, right? Moses is herding the cattle for his father-in-law Jethro, if you remember in the story, right? And, and, he comes across this bush, and in the distance, he sees this bush is burning. But as he gets closer, it looks like it's burning, but it's really not burning. 
And there's a voice that comes from the bush that says, Moses, you're standing on holy ground. Take off your sandals, right? He says, Moses, I have a job for you to do. See, I've heard, God said, I've heard my people, my children. I've heard their pleas. I've heard their prayers. I've seen their cries, right? They want to be redeemed from Egypt. They want to escape the bondage of slavery from Egypt. They had been in bondage of slavery for 420 years. And they've been crying out to God. And for 420 years, it seemed like God had forgot them. But God didn't forget them, you see? Because God works on his own timetable. God has his own plan. God never forgets his people that cry out to him, that pray to him. He never does. He hears everything that you say. So don't you think that God left you because God didn't leave you. God heard you. God, it's just not time for God to move yet. God knows when the time is right for him to move. And right here, he tells Moses, he says, I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to go to the elders of Israel. And I want you to tell them to free my people. And Moses, he had a stuttering problem. Moses says, God, I can't do that, right? Because I stutter. I mean, there's nobody going to listen to me. The words won't even come out, he says, right? And God said, I'm going to send your brother Aaron with you to help you. But I want you to be the redeemer. You see, Moses is a dichotomy pointing to Jesus and the cross. Because the Old Testament always points to the New Testament. The Old Testament always points to the cross. You can go back from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. And it speaks about Messiah. It speaks about the cross. Amen. That's why it's important to understand the Old Testament. It's important to understand Bible prophecy. Because everything points to Jesus, right? All this work that, that Moses is fixing to do is going to take place when? During Passover. During That's when Passover begins, right? And Moses says, that's all fine, God. It's all fine, Lord. He says, it's good. But if I go to the elders, they won't believe me. Who do I tell them sent me? And you know what God tells them? God says, tell them, I am sent you. See, God's called many things in the Old Testament. He's called Yahweh. He's called I am, right? He's called the, 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 the God of peace, the God of Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Nisan. He's called a hundred some names, right? And he tells them right here, the, the most popular name that we know him as, Yahweh or I am. I am in Greek relates to Yahweh, you see. Now look what else the scripture tells us. He says, don't be afraid. So when we have a proper understanding of who Yeshua really is, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, then we're not going to be afraid. We're not going to live in fear. We won't be fearful. Because we know that God is on our side and God fights our battles. Amen. Verse 21. Then they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. Now look what the scripture tells us here. The first part of that scripture says, then they were willing to take him into the boat. So they accepted him, you can say, right? And this is a great thing. Because it's right here and there that they receive him right there. And because they receive him, because they accept him, right? See, when you accept Jesus into your heart, when you accept Jesus into your life, right? You become a new creation. Things change for you for the better. 
Why do I say that? Because look what the scripture tells us. And immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. See, the minute Jesus got in the boat, they accepted him. You know what Jesus does in other gospels? He quiets the storm. He tells the storm, be still. Be still. That's what he says. And even nature obeys him. The universe obeys him because he's God. But look what it says. Immediately, the boat reached the shore where they were heading. So you know what that tells me right here? The minute that we receive him, right? Things get better. The winds calm down in our lives. And when, we, when he spoke, they will were, they were, they were be able to reach their destination, which tells us this. The message for us is this, that when we truly understand who Jesus really is, when we're willing to receive him, right, into our lives, then what's going to be the outcome? We're going to be able to arrive at our destination. We're going to be able to arrive of where we want to be. And where is that? That is the kingdom of God. That is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Verse 22. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered in with the disciples, but they had gone away alone. So what's happening here is this. The feeding of the 5,000, all these people stayed on that side of the shore. They seen where the disciples go down to the seashore. They seen the disciples get into this one boat because there was only one boat there. The disciples and Jesus came across the Sea of Galilee in to teach. But now the disciples getting into that same boat and they're leaving, but Jesus stays back. But Jesus stays back, if you remember, to spend some time with the Father. Jesus stays back because Jesus is fixing to do another miracle to show revelation of who he really is. Amen. That's all this verse is saying here. So they realize that Jesus didn't go into that boat. Why I say that? Let's continue on. You're about to find out. Then some of the boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Now, what's happening here is this. More people is coming from the other side to where, teach, where Jesus was teaching. Because they want to hear Jesus teach, right? Not only want to hear, but remember, everywhere that Jesus went, Jesus taught. Jesus taught about the kingdom of God. He taught about the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus also did miracles. And they want to hear him teach. They want to hear him preach. But they also want to see the miracles that he's going to perform. But look what the scripture tells us here. After the Lord had given thanks. Now, up to this point, they've been calling him rabbi. In the scriptures, rabbi, rabbi, rabbi. Here it's Lord. And this is to tell us, it's to signify, it's to show us right here his identity. Who he truly is, that he is God in the flesh. Amen. That he is the son of God. So what we find here is the outcome that people are satisfied, right? Is the place where people became satisfied because their blessings were poured out by Jesus. Now, I want you to understand something. This is the place where they receive him, the Bible tells us. That's what the Bible says. But they receive him not because of the spiritual aspect. They receive him because of the physical aspect. Because of, of what he did. He fed them. He fed them all. See, they were hungry. They had been teaching all day. He had been teaching. They had been sitting all day long, reclining, listening to the teachings of Jesus. 
And at the end of the day, towards the end of the day, they feed them. So they hungry, right? That's a physical need that they, they need, that they want, that they got, that Jesus provided. And you're going to find out in a minute, that's why they accept them. It's for the physicalness, for the physical side, not the spiritual side. So we can say that this place is referred to in this passage as the place that Jesus had given thanks. It is a place where people are satisfied, but they're satisfied for the wrong reasons. And Jesus is fixing to call them out on it. Verse 24, once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boat and they went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. So once they realized that Jesus was no longer there, they're looking around and saying, they're searching, man, Jesus is not here. I wonder how he got to the other side. Right away, their attention goes to Capernaum because that's where the disciples were going. So they get in their boats and they also set row, they also set sail to Capernaum looking for Jesus. Now the question that we need to ask ourselves is why? Why are they seeking Yeshua? What was their objective? Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, see there it goes back to Rabbi again. When did you get here? Now, Rabbi, they're showing a lot of respect for him right here, but it goes to show you, whereas the scripture just a little while ago said, Lord, to prove who Jesus really was, that he was God in the flesh, that he is the son of God. Now the scripture goes back because these people call him Rabbi. They respect him. They think he's a great prophet. They, they think he has intuition, in, in so to speak, that he, he's a prophet, so to speak, that, that does great signs and does great wonders, but they don't accept him as the Messiah. They don't accept him as the Son of God, right? And they asked him, they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? In other words, they want to know how, more importantly, how you got here, right? See, they understood something. They saw that there's only one boat. They saw the disciples get into that boat and sail off and Jesus stayed behind. Now Jesus is all of a sudden with them in Capernaum on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Other side of the Sea of Tiberias, right? Now we know how he got across there. He walked on water, but they didn't know this. And, and they're kind of dumbfounded. They're taken back. And, and they want to know how Jesus got to Capernaum. And look what Jesus tells them in verse 26, last verse for today. Jesus tells him, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Now let's look at that first part of that text. It says that Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs. Now we know biblically speaking, every time a miracle is performed in scripture, especially those done by Yeshua, right? What does he do? How does he do it, right? Remember, why does he do it, you should say? Remember the story in John chapter 5 of the miracle of the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, if you remember, right? What we learned about that, we know that Jesus went through the sheep gate and he goes straight to the pool of Bethesda and there's five patios or coverings, all people that need help, that are sick, they have a spot. They have a blemish, right? There's something wrong with them. So there's hundreds of people around this pool, but yet Jesus goes straight to this one man who had been lame for 38 years, and he does this great miracle, right? 
Why, you say? Because miracles are not just about meeting people's needs. Miracles are God's visual aid, really to confirm biblical truth. That's what miracles are. It's to show us revelation. So in this passage of scripture here, right here, what we see is they're not emphasizing the meaning of the miracle. They weren't interested in that at all. Well, you say, what are they interested in? Man, they got that free meal. See, their physical need was met. And that's what the text is referring to here, right? That they really don't understand who Jesus really is. They're really interested in him only because he met their physical need. Now, the question that I have for you is this. How do you see Jesus today? See, are you interested in him because you need a physical need met? Or are you interested in him because of who he really is? That he is the son of God. That he is our savior. He is our Messiah. That he died for your sins on the cross at Calvary. That brutal death that he went to, the pain and torture, he took upon the sins of the world so you can have a chance, so I can have a chance to live in the eternal kingdom of God with him. Amen. Look what else the scripture says. It says that I perform, but because you ate the loaves, you had your fill. See, this tells us that they're interested in only the physical satisfaction, meeting their hunger. But you see, they didn't hunger and they didn't thirst for the kingdom of God. So my question to you is this, what about you? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty for the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of heaven? Let me end with this right here today. We see that Jesus criticized people, right? Jesus always was truthful with people, right? And you know, and today as a follower of Christ, we need to be the same. We need to be truthful to people. We need to be honest with people, right? Now, society today is soft. Society today, you know, they get their, hurt, their feelings hurt so easily, right? But it's our job as disciples of Jesus to speak the truth in a loving way, in a kind way, right? In the best way that you know how, according to the word of God, amen? So Jesus criticized these people who followed him, right? Why he criticized them? Because they only followed him for their physical need, for temporal benefits, you can say, right? Not because they were spiritually hungry. Not because they wanted to seek the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, right? You see, we should follow Jesus because we want to know the truth. Why? Because Jesus is the truth. And because Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus gives life. It's only through Jesus that we can be saved. Not through works. Not through money. Not through religion. It's only by having faith in Jesus by the grace of God for giving his only begotten son up on that cross for you and me. The work is done. He did it at the cross of Calvary. It's finished. All we need to do is accept him into our lives. We need to become a new creation in Christ. The Bible says that all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall and will be saved. Amen. You see, true believers... They follow Jesus because they know that he is the only way, the only way to get to the eternal kingdom of heaven. He is the only way to get to the Father, like John 14, 6 says. Jesus says, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man goes to the Father except 
through me. Amen. And that ends our lesson for today. We're going to be back next week. We're going to continue on in the Gospel of John, chapter 6. We'll be covering verses 27 through 40 next week. Until next week, be a blessing for someone. Go be a positive inspiration for someone. Make a difference for the kingdom of God today and this week. We appreciate you tuning in. We love you guys. Until next week, God bless.